Well, look, John, we can't have you running around out there wasting friendly civilians. There are no friendly civilians. Well, I'm your friend, Johnny. I was there with you knee-deep in all that blood and guts. I covered your ass more than once. Seems like bailing you out of trouble is getting to be a lifetime job for me. There wouldn't be no trouble except for that king shit cup. All I wanted was something to eat. But the man kept pushing, sir. Well, you did some pushing of your own, John. They drew first blood, not me. Look, Johnny. Let me come in and get you the hell out of there. They drew first blood. Hello, listening people. Hello. You're listening to Spit and Posh Presents. I am one of your hosts, Ryan Sawinski. And I'm Bartek. Hi, Bartek. How are you doing on this fine day? Good. I'm a little cold, even though it looks warm, but otherwise I'm fine. How are Do you? you? I'm, I'm good. I'm, I'm not feeling cold. Maybe because I have some rotten canvas poured over my rippling muscular torso so i'm pretty warm i've tied it up with a a little piece of yarn around my around my belly so it looks like a belt and i'm looking pretty stylish as we record you wouldn't know because we're in separate locations but that's 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 the situation of things here yeah we're in separate locations but i'm hunting you down and you won't find me i'll find you uh, we are spin posh, because we're always spitting, and we both happen to be Polish. Uh, this is our show, Pictures Power, in which we talk about a movie that has come recommended. And, of course, with all of our references that we've already started kicking off with and the title of this episode, it's easy to deduce that we are doing, perhaps... Uh, 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 an action-y type movie, what one it is, Bartek will tell us, because Bartek, you recommended the movie for this week. What did I you? Did. What did you give us? I picked the great Hannah Montana classic, Hannah Montana the movie from 2009. Ah, ah, such a, such a great film. I think it's from, was it 2009 in the end? Yes. Or, I think so. Yes, uh, that was referenced to last week's episode, but what was the actual movie you picked? The actual movie I picked was the 1982 film First Blood, which most people refer to as Rambo 1. Mm-hmm. Or Rambo First Blood. That's true, yeah. Because then there's the second one is called Rambo First Blood 2. Part, part 2, yeah. Part 2? Part 2. Gotta is, throw in more words. Put more words in? Like uh, part is the second movie an actual sequel, or is that a prequel? I seem to remember it being a sequel. Okay. Okay, so this is what we'll get into. Let's get into our history with First Blood and, i.e., the Rambo series. I have no real history with these movies. I think I've seen one of them. And after investigating... uh. I think I've seen the third one, which is the worst rated one out of them all. Uh, because I remember in my brain one of the plot lines being he has to go save a friend of his. And that mm-hmm. appears to be the plot of the third movie. Okay. Where he has to go save the colonel. That's apparently the plot of that movie. And he's his friend. Uh, and that's it. I have not seen these Rambo movies, I 
my parents aren't big uh, Stallone fans. They never really watched any of his stuff outside of his... Some of his things, we've watched some comedies of his or Demolition Man. Not saying they're outright not fans of his, but we we were more Schwarzenegger orientated in my movie watching experiences than Stallone. And especially in that age, you, you were on one side or the other, it seems. Uh, of course, that's a bit ludicrous. You can be a fan of both of them. But that was also kind of how they marketed themselves as these big muscle-bound rivals who would make jabs at each other in their movies and 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 everything like that. And I was evidently on the Schwarzenegger side of things. I've seen way more Schwarzenegger movies than I have Stallone ones and outright comedy, uh, I mean, outright action-orientated Stallone movies as well. I've seen very few of them in comparison to some of his comedies and some of his... Uh, dramas, I guess. Um, So, the Rambo movies being his big action set-piece series, um, I haven't seen any of them except for the third one, apparently, and I don't remember anything about it other than the loose plot that I just mentioned before, which I had to look up. Mm -hmm. And so... I walked into this kind of with the cultural osmosis of what the Rambo movies are, but I also knew First Blood wasn't what the cultural osmosis of Rambo fully is. I knew that this was leaning heavier into the whole Vietnam vet with PTSD and trauma aspect to the movie, and I knew that this was, like, the only one that is set in America from beginning, middle, and end. And so I walked in with a mixture of knowing the perception of what Rambo is and also knowing that this doesn't fully meet that cultural perception. Uh, that's my yeah. relationship with this movie and the series. What about you, Bartek? So I've only seen the first two. I haven't seen Rambo 3. Um... I have the the trilogy on DVD. Um, I think I got it before the fourth one was made in like 2008. Um, but basically I walked into it thinking, similar to what you were saying, that there is this cultural osmosis of, you know, the main character is a guy who in the vernacular today goes Rambo and there's like a meaning behind that. He, you know, you're huge action hero who will take down everyone and won't be stopped. Um, Mm. and obviously there's all this, uh, I guess, visual, visuals that are him in Vietnam taking down the Vietnamese to complete his, you know, soldier mission. Um, so I actually walked into First Blood when I first watched it about, I want to say like 10 years ago, thinking that it was going to be that movie. So I was very pleasantly surprised when it was something completely different. Um, Mm. And then when I watched the the second film, First Blood Part Two, it did kind of meet that perception a lot more. Um, but then mm. by that point, I was so, I guess, surprised and interested in what the first movie was doing that I don't really think I've uh, kept too much of that film in my memory. I've mostly just thought about the first film, which I've only watched once, and so picking it for Pictures Pow Wow um, was basically a chance to revisit it for me. 
Uh, from my understanding, looking at the IMDb ratings and also people talking, it seems like the first one is the most liked. It seems like that's Stallone's favorite. But I'm actually surprised to hear that the the fourth one, is it? The one that's just called Rambo, is considered mm-hmm. nearly as good as this one or equally as good. I'm a bit surprised to, to hear that. But well, that is interesting. Uh, l- looking at people's word of mouth on that one and i remember when the newest one came out last year people were very disappointed because the last rambo movie was surprisingly decent and that and the newest one rambo last blood was basically him making a bunch of saw traps um and just more horror than action it seems which whatever but I'm a bit surprised that uh, that seems to be the case, that the one called Rambo seems to be well-beloved. But that kind of is uh, Stallone's MO, isn't it? He has these series of movies, mainly Rocky and Rambo. And you have the first one is really good, surprisingly good. And it's not necessarily what you expect it to be. And or it's not necessarily necessarily representative of the entire franchise because the Rocky movies, as a whole, um, have more kind of Hollywood dumb stuff than serious grounded drama like the first movie represents. Mm-hmm. And Rambo, here's the first one, and it's got it's actiony, and we'll talk about it, but. It seems like later on in the series, specifically in Rocky and Rambo, whenever it's just the character's actual name, that seems to be a surprisingly decent movie that no one expected to be that great. Because the last Rocky movie I saw was Rocky Balboa, and I thought that was great. And I was like, I don't need to see any more of Rocky. And then they made Creed movies, and I haven't seen them, so I can't speak to them, but... That movie I found surprisingly good, and it seems like Rambo has that kind of too. And I wonder if it's just Stallone in that period in his life, because that 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 Rocky Balboa came out in like two thousand and six, I want to say. And, I think it was two thousand six, yeah. And Rambo came out in two thousand seven or eight, so it seems like yeah. in the late two thousands, he just kind of was really reflective about his characters that he started out having depth with, and they just lost that along the way. Hmm. So, what did you think about First Blood on this rewatching of it? I really enjoyed it on the rewatch. I was worried that maybe the surprise that I had with the first time watching when it ended up being a completely different film might have faded over time. Um, but I still found myself very engaged with it on the second watch. What, what about did you it? Think? I was going to say, oh, what about it in particular engaged you on this rewatch? Um, so having walked in knowing general plot beats of what was happening, um, I was focusing a lot more on psychological aspects, especially early on, like when um, the police force of that town was bullying John Rambo, and he was flashing back to all, all the things that were happening to him in Vietnam, and like how he was connecting those with what was happening to him in the police station and on the hunt. Um, and just basically seeing this story of a shell-shocked veteran suffering PTSD, um, you know, basically being unjustly hunted and going to extremes that 
I guess, kind of flip him onto the wrong side, but also having this mm. dynamic of a police force that is also very misguided and it's this private war between two factions that neither of them necessarily want to continue but they are com- they are compelled to for various circumstances i uh it was a very interesting viewing experience with this movie i sat down i just had dinner i i just i turned the lights off and the movie opens with a ballad, which was very nice. It felt very cute because, again, cultural osmosis, Rambo, big, muscly, singlet-wearing, machine gun-carrying. And it had a very, not necessarily 1980s, but ni- late 1970s music feel to it at the beginning. And it has just the title just gently comes up on the screen. And it felt like, oh, I'm going to be watching like a 1970s character drama. You know, like Rocky. And mm-hmm. that was cute. And I really enjoyed uh, the look of the movie. I liked how drained the color palette of the movie was. I liked how raw it looked. But I, yeah, I really enjoyed the visual look of the movie of just this the really gray looking, you know, really oppressive, but not overbearingly so. Just all of it felt muted. And this was in the daytime, so that when it comes towards the later part of the film where it's now turning into night and then it is nighttime, it felt like a great transitioning into the darkness that the movie is heading towards, not just in terms of themes, but in actual terms of day to night. And I really liked that. I really liked uh, Sylvester Stallone's performance, particularly early on, when he's visiting that mother and his interactions or lack of interactions with the police force and specifically Brian Dennehy. And I was really enjoying the movie. I liked his little motorcycle chase. I like when he broke out of the police station. I liked the movie until a certain point. Mm-hmm. I liked the movie until the colonel showed up. The colonel showing up really changed the movie for me because that's when we get to know this is what Rambo is and there's no hope for you against this psychopath and basically he's a one-man army and all of this stuff was introduced into the movie, which I knew, I knew this because I know what Rambo is. But then the second half of the movie really dragged for me and we got to see less and less of Rambo and when we did see him all he was doing was crawling or climbing and with really no sense of danger like in the first half we had more of a sense of danger on behalf of him when he was running away from Brian Dennehy or the helicopter guy with the gun or him climbing on the side of that that uh, that uh, ridge and stuff. I felt more danger and uh, suspense in the first half. And then when the colonel came in and reassured us, the audience, and warned the police force that he's unstoppable, I stopped feeling things in the movie and just watched the movie and I felt detached from it. 
So it was an odd experience for me. I enjoyed the first half, and then when it became the Rambo movie, like, when it became, this is what Rambo is, I stopped caring. And then at the end, Stallone gives a really impassioned monologue, and he's really giving his backstory. And the unfortunate thing was, I I really did care about what he was saying, and I felt the acting, but I had lost interest in him at that point, because... We spent so little time on him in the second in the second portion of the movie, and when we did, all he was doing was just silently crawling around and killing people, or hurting people, and setting things on fire and exploding things, and just, I lost interest in the second half. Yeah, I think specifically the period where they think he's dead, and they're just kind of talking amongst themselves, was the slow point of the film, which comes a bit after the colonel appears. Yeah, but I felt it when the colonel appears, because before he appears, I also kind of felt it because what I engaged with in the movie was the cat and mouse chase, and then eventually the the cat becomes the mouse, right? The, the police force uh, after him, and we had our group of policemen characters that were set up from the beginning. We had Brian Dennehy, we had David Caruso, we had the guy with the mustache, we had... Hank Jennings from Twin Peaks. I don't know if you recognize that was him in the movie. He was the one that tried to shave him with the razor. Right. That was Hank from uh, Twin Peaks. And Brian, uh, like I said, David Caruso, the redhead guy. That's the guy from CSI Miami who has the sunglasses and says the puns and quotes. And then it's, uh, you know, the Who music plays. We had our set of antagonists, who were actual characters that we met from the beginning and got given a personality trait. We had the guy with his dogs. We had the guy who whose nose he broke and he had the band-aid on. And they were all great. And I was invested on him being chased by these guys and then him slowly taking out these guys. But there comes a point before the colonel arrives, he just takes all of them out or all of them get removed from the story, and it's just Brian Dennehy left. And Brian Dennehy's character spends the second portion of the film just talking rationally in some manner with the colonel, and slowly his opinion changes until it doesn't. Until Rambo finally comes back and explodes the petrol station across the street. And then Brian Dennehy's back on the chase. And that's where it lost me, is I was invested in these people versus him, and then him turning on them, but they get wiped off the map so quickly and so effortlessly, and then we're left with the colonel just telling us, don't mess with him, just leave him alone. And I just lost interest in it. Yeah, I, I really do think that the, the period where he's dead and he's, you know, in the cave and heading to the town do have slow moments. I do think that the the Cole Colonel and uh and Sheriff dynamic mm. did have um I, I it gave it an opportunity for the sheriff's character to be developed a bit more. Mm-hmm. Um since and we read this in trivia, um there was a whole lot of, I guess, cut backstory behind the whole sheriff's uh, point of view, which was meant to have a poignant relationship with uh, 
Rambo and his background and point of view. Well, just to go into that, I don't remember if the trivia specifically said that was something filmed and cut. I remembered it was in the book that this is based on. The yeah, sheriff the, was in the Korean War, and that yeah, was the, his the trivia had a lot of like repetitive. You know, the this stuff was cut half. The movie was cut and stuff like that. It's kind of hard to mm. remember. Um, but the basic idea of like there was an idea there which didn't fully get explained or actually didn't get really explained at all in the film. No. Um, but what we did get was this whole thing of, you know, the sheriff, um, you know, he's into his town. He wants uh, sort of a peace in his town. Um, and in a moment of him being, uh, you know, unjust and picking on this guy, he has no idea who he is. Um, he has started a whole conflict that has, mm. you know, ironically compromised his town, the peace that he upholds, and his pride seems to be pushing him forward to still mess with this guy, even though we have this character, the Colonel, who is literally telling him, hey, you are really making a mistake here. Yeah, I, like, I 100% agree that stuff is concretely there. I just found it dragged its feet in the second uh, second half of the movie. The colonel, he just keeps repeating the same things over and over again. And as charming as that actor is, I found him very fun. I, I enjoyed his vocal performance, particularly. The way he talked was very fun. But mm-hmm. his character felt perfunctory after a certain point. He just kept saying the same things again and again. And... Brian Dennehy's character, the sheriff character, I understand that there's this, you know, his pride and this, but there came a point where I was just like, okay, but can we just continue what we promised with the first half of the movie? Yeah, after a point, you kind of got it. Yeah, after a point, I got it, but, you know, for, for myself, I felt that shift um, early on, like once David Caruso and the guy with the dog and all these other police characters e- exited the movie, I felt the shift of what the movie was and I didn't care for what it shifted into. Um, I didn't find the action particularly uh, compelling. Uh, I, you know, I don't think it's weird because I don't think that's the movie's goal either. Like, it is an action y movie, but I don't think. The goal of the movie was to stun you with its action set pieces necessarily, because if it did, if that was 100% the goal, I don't think it succeeds because I don't remember any particular action set piece that was particularly amazing after the the whole uh, helicopter the piece. After the helicopter. The helicopter yeah. set piece. After that, it's just kind of like. Oh no, my dog! Oh, my leg! Ah, I fell down! Like, it's lots of people falling down into things. Yeah, I never really thought of this film as being all that much an action film, which is ironic considering the identity of the Rambo series. Um, I always kind of just saw this movie as, again, going back to the whole idea of it being a character drama or a character study, um, the fact that Rambo is able to create all of these traps and stuff is representative of the fact that he was in guerrilla warfare and he's able to keep it uh, when he's back home in, you know, the woods of Washington or whatever state he's in. 
Um, so yeah, the, the, the violence, if we don't want to call it action, is just representative of that idea. Yeah, I... It's an interesting character study because I didn't read the trivia until after, of course, and I was watching the movie going, hmm, I, I, I don't know what it is, but something about the movie feels off. And then I read that the movie was originally three and a half hours long, Stallone wasn't happy with it, and they edited it all in to 93 minutes or however long, and they try to edit out as much of Rambo as possible because Stallone was embarrassed. And that made sense. Once I read that, I went, oh, okay, that that makes sense because he just disappears from his own movie. And it was very odd to me. Like, there's a logic within the movie, sure, for why that is. But in all honesty, once you read that trivia fact, you go, oh... Yeah, yeah, that's the actual reason, not the internalized reason that the editing and the dialogue may tell you in the movie, but because of that external reason. And I, I felt that because I liked him at the beginning of the movie. But once he, he practically his character ends for me once uh, he kills the guy in the helicopter and then he's like surrendering to them and they shoot him and then he runs off. That's kind of where I stopped being as interested in him because after that point he just kind of does nothing of um, particular note for me until the very end when he gives his monologue um, and you know he has one or two other moments like the when he drops the title of the movie they drew first blood but I the movie wasn't following him at that point so and I was wondering why that was and then I read the trivia is because Stallone was embarrassed and then the trivia would state that, and that's now become an action staple of where the action hero isn't necessarily the focus of the movie. And I'm like, I don't know if that's necessarily the case. I don't even know if yeah, that's necessarily so. the case. But Yeah, it's a weird statement to make. I think the logic there is there are lots of action movies in which we see the villains witnessing what the, the the protagonist is doing to them. Like in Die Hard, for instance, there's an equal balance between Hans Gruber in the story and 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 uh you know and and Bruce Willis and all of that and uh McLean. While in this movie it is seemingly it's gonna be following Rambo and then it becomes Brian Dennehy's story, but at no point did I feel like they developed Brian Dennehy enough for me to invest myself fully in him. And then once they kind of did, he just reverts back to what he was at the beginning and they don't even end him that well. They just, he just gets shot. He falls down and asks to get shot again. And then, and then the camera pans away from him. So Rocky can give a monologue and then we don't see Brian Dennehy again. So it kind of felt like I wasted my time with him. I spent so much time with him in the later part of the movie. And what was the payoff? What was the payoff with Brian Dennehy in the end? What was the payoff with the sheriff? What did I get from him? He just, he learned nothing and then he got shot and then he didn't even, we didn't even get the basic, oh, we killed the guy who started all this. And I know that's the point, but we don't even get to see him again. It's just kind of like, and Rocky, I mean, and Rambo, now we leave the building and we walk to the police. Freeze frame. 
yeah, I, I guess the whole thing with the uh, the sheriff was just like, as we talked about with the the whole colonel and his dynamic during the slow portion of the film, there is that inevitability of you know he will keep doing the duty that he thinks he has to do even to you know a a bad ending, and that's exactly what he got. He got a bad ending. Yes, but at the same time, by that point in the movie, Rocky is... uh, I keep saying Rocky. Rambo has become such a monster himself that he goes out of his way at that point in the movie to pursue him. He's stopped pursuing Rambo. He's just at the police station chilling now. He's kind of gone, you know, I'm going to... He's 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 resting on his laurels, and then Rambo comes into the town and fucks him over. So of course he's going to retaliate. At that point, like again, it's not necessarily like Brian Dennehy has the opportunity to redeem and then just doesn't do it. It's not like a Captain Ahab thing, right? Where he's like, I got to get my white whale. He goes, you know what? You know, uh, the colonel has some points. I'm going to kind of step back, um, be in this police station and kind of give this a thought. And then Rambo comes to him, starts blowing shit up. So what's he going to do? He, of course, he's the, he's the sheriff of the town. And- yeah, yeah. Well, first of all, he, he thought Rambo was dead at that point, so he was actually done. Mm. He wasn't really... I mean, he was thinking, but he wasn't really planning ahead. Um, and I, I, like I said, it's the consequence of the actions that happened prior. So he had no choice. That's the inevitability. Yeah. I can remember if he thought he was dead at that point. Cause I remember there was a point where he talked to the Colonel and the Colonel kind of revealed or gave a piece of information that kind of made him know that he was still alive and all of that. And he's like, of course you knew that you're the one who trained him. Didn't it go from him, like, slumped on his desk and then the guy's like, he, he's alive, sir, or something like that? I can't remember. But, like, my point is, I didn't feel like Brian Dennehy got hoisted on his own petard at the end. It just kind of felt like, well, he was the bad guy, so we got to shoot him at least. I guess it, like, leaned into that horror cliche of, like, he was the last one that he went, that Rambo went for. <sighs> Yeah, I, so my viewing experience was I really enjoyed the first half. Really enjoyed it. I enjoyed the visuals. I enjoyed the set pieces, the motifs. I enjoyed the themes going on. I enjoyed the characters. I enjoyed the atmosphere of the movie. I really enjoyed the oppressive nature of the town. Uh, and I, I liked it. And then the second half, it just felt really boring to me and lots of crawling in the dirt and, oh, rats, oh, no. And Brian Dennehy just talking to this colonel guy who's just there to remind us constantly that Rambo's a badass and you shouldn't mess with him. And, you know, and then the end where Stallone gives an impassioned monologue, which I know this is unfair. He has you know, facial paralysis uh, from birth yeah. or whatever, but I could not understand at least 60% of what he was saying with how much I he agree. slurs. I, yeah, I caught, a, I caught bits and pieces of it. So the impact was lost. I didn't watch this with subtitles. Sometimes I watch movies with subtitles. This one I did not. And so the impact of the end was lost on me too. Yeah, my DVD didn't have subtitles, so I was also unable to fully understand it. 
I mean, there, there was an emotional aspect to it, but it would have been nice to hear the words. Because he's crying. That's why there's an emotional aspect. A big, muscly man crying and weeping makes sad. But I, I understood some of the details. But, yeah, that's my experience with this movie. I, I'm disappointed, in a way. I thought I was going to get more of a character study in this character study movie. But because, in real life, Stallone was upset with uh, his scenes in the movie... They removed as many of those as possible, and this is what we get instead. And evidently, I'm in the minority. People love this movie. It spawned several other movies. You're a big fan. I, But for me, I, I, I wish that there was more Rambo in this Rambo movie. And not him going Rambo, but I just wish there was more of him in here. But evidently, whatever they did film wasn't good. Because that seems to be the um, kind of recurring moti- uh, recurring statement from everyone involved was everyone, especially Stallone, seems like whatever the other scenes were that were removed weren't good. And this was a movie made in editing. And that's how it did feel to me. It felt, felt like this is... This is the ideal outcome of The Snowman. Except for The Snowman didn't have enough scenes. This evidently had too many scenes. The snowman should have taken some of the cutscenes from this. Oh, wouldn't that be great? <laughs> and just add CGI it gives the snow. Snowman a lot more character. Yeah. <laughs> um, what else did you get out of the movie on this on this watching of it? Because I've been talking a lot and I've been more negative on it, but you you really enjoyed it. So, what did you? What else did you get out of it? Uh, I agree with what you were saying about how the locations were nice and the whole muted colouring thing. When I think back on this film for from my first viewing, I do think of all of the, you know, American countryside locations, you know, all the trees, uh, the town. It, it kind of reminded me of the Twin Peaks town at times. You know, no, not really much two-story buildings, um, small community, um, and the whole first little bit of the film kind of develops that through the the sheriff's actions and words um so the world is something that i also enjoyed in this film um i I think generally all the stuff i've enjoyed we've kind of already talked about uh you know the it's i guess in a sense even though this was like sort of a character study film it is still an action film at its center in that the main conflict is kind of what we focus on. Um, the film starts off with, you know, Stallone, he's doing his little personal thing. He gets into this one conflict and the rest of this film is just focused on this one conflict. And I really enjoyed that little centered focus of the film. It's something that I think about um, when I think of this film. It doesn't have too many side things going on in too many areas. It's just this central conflict between a guy who was minding his own business and a group that was seeing bad in him i guess yeah i i as much as i've been ragging on the colonel i did enjoy his lines sometimes he had some really great cheesy very cheesy lines like the whole thing where he's ridiculing the sheriff about vagrancy. Oh yeah, put that on his on his grave. Yeah, 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 the medal of this congressional medal and war hero and vagrant. <laughs> mm. <laughs> and 
the movie clearly is trying to comment on the horrors of war and more and, and more importantly in this story how the people who served in these wars get treated after or get treated by the public especially with the Vietnam War Rocky I keep saying Rocky Rambo says it you know, they were protesting and calling him a baby killer and all this. How can they protest something that they don't know? They weren't there. I suffered and all this. But then I really enjoy the fact that the colonel being, you know, he's a military guy. He, you know, And he's an older guy. You would expect him to feed into that kind of thing. But instead he counters up by being like, it was a hard time for everyone. Not just you. There was hard times here for the people back home. And like He yeah. kind of weirdly in support of the fact that, hey... They're allowed to protest. There was a horrible war. That you know, it's weird, but it's clear that the movie did have a message. It did have something deeper it wanted to communicate, other than just man hunt man and killing machine. It had these deeper things, which I did appreciate about the movie. I just kind of wish that we got to focus more on our characters and uh, dive a little deeper into that. Because also, like, the beginning of the movie, you have all these experimental cuts of flashbacks and him remembering this and him getting triggered, but then that just disappears from the movie. It's just gone. So it kind of stands out, and not necessarily in a good way. just kind of goes, oh, yeah, remember when they had those random cuts of him in the Vietnam War and then that just kind of stopped in the movie? Yeah, well... Yeah, once it kind of took away from the personal element of he's actually interacting with these characters who are doing bad things to him. Mm. It's like it justifiably stopped, but I think I even said it earlier, I really enjoyed those cuts. Yeah. Uh, so it's a shame that they stopped. But, uh, yeah, First Blood, um, it, it, I find it interesting that they saw this and said, yeah, let's make a franchise of these. Let's make a series of these. And I haven't seen the second one. I've only seen the third one. I don't remember anything about it. But it seems like from the cultural osmosis of those first three movies that it loses the idea that violence is bad and becomes violence is cool. Because when you think of Rambo muscly chest and he's just shooting a bunch of guys and making one-liners and he has the bandana and it's and he's awesome because he kills people but this first movie is about how horrible violence is and how it can turn you into a monster and the fact that Rambo kills so few people and mainly just injures everyone um is interesting in the movie as well, but I don't know. I kind of find it interesting that the movie series seemed to deteriorate from that message so quickly. Is what is the second movie like? Um, again, it's been a while, and I haven't thought about it as much. But I seem to just kind of remember it matching the cultural osmosis, you know, in things like. Um, what's something that did it? I guess UHF, I think, had a scene where, yeah. where Weird Al was going Rambo. Um, I just seem to remember, yeah, there was him in, I think it was Vietnam, sneaking around mm. the forest, actually fighting against an enemy soldier army to complete a mission of some sort. 
and I think maybe um, since since it's acknowledged that the Colonel is this kind of popular character, maybe he fits a bit better into that type of film because Rambo is justifiably going on missions where he's going violent. So I don't know. Yeah, yeah. I just I just seem to recall it being a lot more what you would expect if you know what Rambo is. What is it like? Stallone wrote a part of the script for this he's one of the credited writers i don't know if he is for any of the other ones but or anything but it seems like it was a recurring thing for him right we can't help but pair this up with the rocky movies where they start off with a very thoughtful character exploration that goes against the grain of what the cultural osmosis says it is because with rocky cultural osmosis is just you know it's a boxing movie and and you know adrian and he's and he's a winner and and all he drinks raw eggs yeah and he eats raw eggs and he trains and he has a boxing coach who's the penguin and the music and the music uh and and you know he fights russian robots and or whatever the fuck he's supposed to be i don't know he wasn't a robot but he was basically a machine yeah yeah and you know, his the representation of all of America's masculinity. Like in both Rambo and Rocky, right? After a certain point, like he's America. He's not just a man anymore. He's not just a character. He's not the down on down on down and out uh rest, uh boxer who's trying to be the best. He's now America itself. Yeah, one, he's an underdog, you know, going through an underdog story, becoming big, uh, capitalism, capitalism, and the other, he's a hero who fought for America, and he continues to fight for America, evidently. Did that happen with these series because of Stallone's ego growing over time and him becoming the personification of the macho action hero, or is it just a symptom of sequelitis? Where I will, mm. Because I don't know. Again, I'm not a big Stallone. Um, I'm not really knowledgeable on Sloan, Stallone, but what I do know is about him is, is there was a period of time where that f- was fading. His, his uh, action persona was fading, so he started to do comedies and started to do sci-fi movies, and his ego was really, really big. And he was like, I can do it all. I'm Stallone. And is that why the Rocky movies and the Rambo movies deteriorate so quickly? Because of his ego? Because did he write for the other Rocky movies? I feel like he did, but that's just based on a gut feeling. I I don't know Be- for sure. Because he was still riding on the on the later ones, right? Like I, I'm pretty sure from my knowledge, I uh, from my understanding that he wrote his sections at least for the Creed movie, the first one. I f- yeah, I feel like um, what's what I'm trying to say? I feel like whenever we do look at Stallone stuff in trivia, I think maybe there is always a lot of points about like his role in the production like even in rambo here he mm. was talking about how he was embarrassed so things had to change and we know he was the screenwriter so maybe he is kind of more involved with the production post-production mm. production process than most other actors so I, that's kind of where my gut feeling is coming from 
just the feeling that like he seems pretty involved in stuff. But just to focus on Rambo, mm-hmm. just from your vague memories of the second one, we'll go off that. Uh, you know, we're not saying one hundred percent. I haven't seen the second one. Bartek hasn't seen it in ages and only has vague memories. But is he not aware? Still, was Stallone not aware of how much of a deterioration and betrayal and departure it is from where it starts? Like, you go from the first blood, and they changed from the book him being a psychopath to him being a man who's lost, because Stallone wants to find some humanity and empathize with this character. And then the second movie and the third movie... Um, just action, schlock, fuck yeah, America, war and violence is cool. How does he not know that that's not what the other movie was about? You know? Mm, Maybe, yeah, maybe it is sequelitis then. Uh, Or ego. I think it might be ego. Or ego. Because he got a bigger head because... You're a big fan of the Rocky movies more so than I. I've only seen like a handful of them. And they just lose track after the second one. And I, I know I'm not a big fan of the second movie in particular. I think the first one is the best one still. And then I like Rocky Balboa and everything in between is either fine or bad. Um, well, you talk up Rocky 3, let's be fair. <laughs> Rocky 3 is funny. <laughs> but if you remember that Rocky 3 is still Rocky... It's it's not great. <laughs> you know, like, Rocky was an Oscar-winning movie, right? Yeah, best picture, I think. And look at where it, like, what it became. And now, like I said, Stallone's in his uh, later years, you know, in the late 2000s, his career has run out of um, steam. He's no longer the big ego-driven action star of of the 80s. He's no longer the symbol of masculinity for all of America that's moved on. And what does he do? He revitalizes these franchises by, by getting back to what they were about in some way. I can't speak 100% for, for Rambo, but I can speak on the Rocky Balboa movie, and evidently you can speak on Creed. It seems like in his later years, now he's no longer surrounded by the glitz and glamour of being the number one Hollywood action star. It's like he understands again what made these special. Yeah, with age comes reflection. Yeah, yeah. Um... So I enjoyed First Blood on the fact that it did have a sense of purpose and humanity to it. I just kind of wish it was consistent, a bit more consistently threaded throughout the movie for myself. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I still enjoyed the film. I do acknowledge that there is a later part of the film that is a bit weaker, um, but I do see some merits to it. Like, even though we do lose focus on Rambo, the film sort of has that be a point, and I can appreciate that at least. Um, It's not perfect, but I still enjoy this film, and I recommend it. Yeah, I I don't know. I give a recommendation if you're interested in looking back at an action franchise and where it started. It's always fascinating in that regard. 
I but as a as a whole movie on its own, a very very light recommendation. I think it starts out strong and loses its way. Uh, uh, but I liked Brian Dennehy. Uh, I mentioned him a lot, but I, I just want to say he, he, I really liked his performance. I, I, I liked Brian Dennehy as an actor. We only lost him at the beginning of this year. He was 81 and it was a real bummer. So it was nice to see him again. Um, I, you know what? Another thing I, I really noticed too is everyone in the movie is taller than Stallone. Everyone. Yeah, I think that was the case. Towers over him. And I know for a fact that that does not remain a staple of his movies, because in every other movie that I remember seeing him in, he makes a point of being taller than them because he's the action star. But it was kind of nice to see him be little in comparison to <laughs> Brian Dennehy, who's like, he's six foot two and a half, so he's a big guy. He was a big guy. But uh, yeah, I enjoyed seeing Brian Dennehy, and I enjoyed seeing him play an asshole. Uh, this is the amazing thing about actors like him is you look at his IMDb and he has he he did a lot of movies a lot of movies and shows and that means that there was a lot of um, pieces of work for anyone to see and so I know Brian Dennehy as playing nice guys I've seen him play sweethearts I've seen him play goofy guys so I'm familiar with Brian Dennehy playing that. He's in the movie Cocoon. He was in the movie uh, Tommy Boy. He's in several. He was in several things. And I'm always, always familiar with him playing goofy guys. So in a movie like this, it's kind of like, oh, cool, he's playing an arsehole. And it took me a little while to buy it because I'm used to him being nice. And then right. you read his IMDb and one of his... Uh, one of his trivia points was he was best known for playing mean guys, people who were corrupted by power or outright villains. <laughs> okay. So again, he's got he had such a large body of work that for me, I've only seen a small corner of it, and the corner I've seen just by happenstance seems to be going against what he was known for doing. Yeah, going against type. That's interesting. Mm, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, I think that's all. Uh, are you ready to hear the recommendation for next episode? Yeah, I'm very keen. All right. So it's a recommendation from myself. Mm -hmm. I'm choosing a more recent film. Uh, I think it's from 2018. It's one of these movies where it says it's from 2018, but it actually came out in 2019 because it probably had been at a film festival or two in 2018, but actually was released in 2019. Mm -hmm. I'm choosing uh, the Australian film The Nightingale, uh, directed by Jennifer Kent, who did the infamous and very divisive, but also very beloved cult horror movie The Babadook. Oh, yeah, I've seen that one. Oh, you've seen The Babadook. Okay, I couldn't remember. Yeah. Uh, so this is her follow-up? to the Babadook, uh, The Nightingale. Uh, so make sure, listening people, to check that film out in between. Just a... It is a movie where this has to be prefaced. It's rough. It's a... It's a... It's a... It's a rough movie. It's a... It's... It's... It's a very tough watch. So... 
Um, make sure if you're um, sensitive to very miserable movies to kind of read up on what you're going to get into because this is no stroll in the park. It's a uh, it's a it's probably one of the most brutal movies to come out in recent years. So okay. you've been warned. So and that goes for you, Bartek, because I remember with the. Neon Demon, one of the things that you had that held you back was you kind of didn't know what movie you were getting into. For this one, it's good to know that you're going to be watching a really, really tough-to-watch movie, okay? It's, yeah, okay. It's I was a- going to make the joke, like, well, Ryan, I don't have a choice. I have to watch it anyway, but I see what you mean. Know what I'm walking into. It's a, Yeah, don't don't walk in being like, oh, it's going to be like the Babadook again, where it's a bit spooky, but overall, I can just sit down and, and have a good time. Yeah, this isn't a, this isn't a watch with your grandma type movie. Let's say that. Yeah, I'm not gonna lie. I think about forty percent of me was like, it's gonna be Hannah Montana, isn't it? <laughs> Hannah Montana, the movie. Get it right. Yep. Get real. <laughs> um, Get real. Oh man, when is he going to make a movie with Miley Cyrus, David Lynch? <laughs> You know, now that you said, sorry, this this is from before we started recording. You asked me if I watched anything, and I said no, and I just remembered I watched uh, his short film, the one with the monkey, the one with the monkey. Yeah, pretty great. It was great. <laughs> so stupid, but great. All right, listening people, that's it from us. Uh, you can hit us up on the social medias of Facebook and Twitter, Spit and Polish Presents. We have our email, Spit and Polished at gmail dot com in which you can email us with your thoughts, questions, concerns, or recommendations for movies to cover on the show, because we do take your suggestions, and we have a list, and we put them down, and eventually we get to them. Isn't that right, Bartek? Yep, and at the end of the next episode, we will be getting to one of them. Yeah, we'll, well, yeah, we'll be getting to one of them. Yeah, we'll yeah, be picking yeah. one of them for the next one, yeah. The way you said it, you emphasized two and it made it sound in my brain like the number two and not the word two. And I was like, two, one, Bartek. We're not doing three. Two, one, three, four. <laughs> Five, seven, two, one. Uh, so that's it. Uh, thank you very much, Bartek, for recommending First Blood. It is, even though I didn't fully enjoy it, it is good to have actually seen it because... We all have those movies that are very well beloved and have made their ripples on pop culture in some way, but we haven't actually seen them for ourselves. We just haven't gotten around to them, and this is one of the ones on my list that I hadn't gotten around to. So, very good suggestion. It was it was an eye-opening experience, even if I didn't love it. Yeah, I thought you'd at least get that out of it, so I'm happy with that. Yep. So, uh, until next time, uh, remember to just walk away with your kernel. You're going to be taken back to the base, and we're going to play some nice, sentimental, soppy music <laughs> as the credits roll. Yep, and even though we've talked about how Stallone's career has been very interesting and perhaps a little bit egomaniacal at times... Please all remember that 1991's Oscar is a great movie. It's it's fucking amazing. If not, you kept calling him. You kept calling him Rocky throughout this episode. You should have been calling him Snaps. <laughs> it's weird because I was going to say Oscar, right? But then I remembered he he wasn't Oscar <laughs> in that movie. <laughs> the best uh. part. The best part of Oscar for those who haven't seen the movie, and this isn't a spoiler. 
But um, Kurtwood Smith is in the movie as a policeman. Yep. And he's standing near a windowsill, and there's all these pigeons and birds and shit on the windowsill. <laughs> and he's screaming, yep. like, go get snaps or whatever. And he just fucking smacks these birds and, like, grabs one and pelts it. <laughs> and they're real birds. And they come back, don't they? And they just fly right back, and he's like, Jesus Christ! <laughs> and you could tell it was Kurtwood Smith, and not the character reacting. Yeah. Ah, amazing. <laughs>